fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody, and welcome to our week six fantasy preview show on the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. We are paving your way to fantasy glory. We are feeding and then breeding and then feeding some more and then breeding a few more fantasy wolves. I mean, and we're doing this more than ever these days. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the original fantasy wolf. Uh, we don't. We don't even need to feed him anymore. He's he's on his own. He's doing great. Uh, Wolf, how you doing? Wolf, I'm doing great. great in most places. I mean, my my Christian McCaffrey going all in in all my auctions is not panning out. My team has crumbled a bit so far, but so far the predictions have gone well for everybody yeah. else but myself. So you know what? That's all that matters, right? You know, I'm so unselfish that I care way more about you guys than I do myself. Not at all. I'm fucking crumbling in those leagues. Oh, and three since McCaffrey went down in two of them. Uh, it's wow. bad. It's getting ugly over here, Nat. It's getting real ugly. But we will plow on. We will move forward uh, because everything else has gone great for all the other advice that I've given. So that's good. At least I just didn't follow it. You did hit on uh, quite a few of the things that you threw out there in the last couple of weeks. I know last week we did an award show. But, I mean, you hit pretty well on the stuff we did the show before, the, the week four preview. Um, like really, really well, actually. Like I want to say like 80% or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to ask you just, what did you spend on McCaffrey? I mean, you got him in, in, was it a snake draft or I'm assuming it was an auction you're talking so about? I, the same night I had back-to-back drafts. I got first pick, so obviously went McCaffrey. And then my auction was following that. So I was like, all right, we're hammering it. We're going to make sure we go out and get this guy. So I ended up only having to pay only 70 bucks, but like I was, I was ready to pay 75, 80, go all the way up. Uh, Ultimately didn't pan out clearly at this point. If I can survive, I should have bid far more. And this is kind of my own mistake. Mike Davis has been an animal. I mean, the, the most fantasy points of all running backs since McCaffrey went down, he went for about 35, 40 free agency budget. And so I, I was like, you know, maybe I'd pay 20 for him. I should have paid 40. I, I would be sure. probably four and one at worst three and two right now. Had I bought Mike Davis, certainly would have won last week. Um, it, the guy is an absolute animal. Now that makes me question. I wonder what your thoughts like. No. Do you think McCaffrey and Davis become like not a timeshare, but is Davis just going to disappear after he's dominated so long? I, I don't know. What, what do you think? It's hard for me to believe that he will disappear. It's also hard for me to envision like a timeshare, which I know yeah. you know it has to almost be one of those things. So I, I don't know. I mean, what's the precedent kind of for a, a super elite back going out, someone coming in and replacing him and being fantastic? I think I saw somewhere he's accounting what 85, 90% of what McCaffrey was doing. Yeah, exactly. And McCaffrey was doing historic stuff last year. So the fact that Davis is at 85% of what McCaffrey was doing is mind-blowing because McCaffrey was having a season for the ages. I think second beyond only LaDavian Thomason scored more than him over that time frame. So, I mean, it is crazy to think what this will become. The offense seems to be like a one-back centric thing. Maybe that's just because they only have Davis at this point and they didn't expect to you know go to anyone other than McCaffrey. 
But it's becoming, I, I mean, I'm nervous that it wouldn't necessarily be because Davis is better than McCaffrey. Of course not. That's that's not the issue. But what if they want to keep McCaffrey fresh and they know they have the right legs to be able to do so? I don't know. I'm, I'm Maybe I'm just panicking, but I, I'm getting nervous here. I understand you being nervous. The big lesson, like you, you touched on and then we moved off it, is that you can't take free agent dollars with you. No. And so if there's somebody you want, I mean, I've gone way, way too high on people before, but I've also underbid and then really regretted it. Like, you know, two weeks later, been like, man, if I had bid four more dollars on this guy, I'd have him. And I would have won two of the last three games instead of losing all three of them. And then then that's one of the things that's the most maddening for me, because it would have been so easy to do that. And I was like, no, I'm going to cling to this fake money that I, I don't know that, it drives me crazy. I've been there before. Uh, no judgment from me, but I feel like the lesson is like, go get your guy if you can get him. Absolutely. And on that note, too, by the time this one publishes, Claypool's, you know, all the waiver wires are going to be run. Oh, yeah. A lot of them got delayed till Thursday, but we'll be dropping this Thursday morning. So you're going to be hearing this in retrospect if you're not live. But if you are live with us and if you are any likes, comments, shares, we will always have our open mailbag at the end of the episode take us about 45 minutes or so to get there. Um, but ultimately any likes, all that stuff helps us get out to more people. So huge. And if you're watching now and, and live, you're going to catch this. Claypool is a guy I would blow the load on. I, especially if I need a wide receiver, I think this guy is the real fucking deal. I, I would spend 40%, 50% even of my waiver wire fab to just go out and get this guy. I mean, freak athlete, six, four runs like a four, three has a 40 inch vert. And clearly can get it done. I mean, what team is better at identifying monster wide receivers beyond round one than the Steelers? Nobody. And this is Martavis Bryant. Think about all the years we burned fourth and fifth rounders <laughs> in Martavis fucking Bryant. This guy doesn't have any of that baggage. He has all that, the measurables, none of the baggage. So to me, he is the type of guy that that is going to change. We t- talked about last week, our like under 20% owned who's going to win leagues. Neither of us thought of Claypool. Uh, Now that he's showed why 11 targets, 34% of the share, three rushes as well, just designing whether Deontay Johnson's back or not. I think this guy is going to be the highest scoring Steelers receiver come the end of the season, more than Juju, more than Deontay. Uh, He showed every reason why this week. So bid everything on him. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. Hopefully you're hearing this live. Like you said, hopefully you don't pull up like five bucks short and have this guy end up like the wide receiver 10 or something for the year and you could have right. peanuts. All right. We're going to get into the show, but first the show is brought to you by our glossary term of the week, which I feel like is actually pretty appropriate because a lot of the guys we're talking about higher, lower, uh, Hail Mary, stuff like that. And uh, of course, like waiver wire, that was a, a different show earlier in the week. But this stuff is all significant, and especially now in week six, it's becoming more and more of a factor. And, of course, the word, the term, and this can be a noun or a verb, is hate cut. And mm-hmm. you want to just real quick give the, the wolves quick uh, as quick as you can definition of what a hate cut is? <laughs> I mean, the, the definition's kind of in the word, right? right. <laughs> Filled with rage over a person's lack of productivity, uh, lack of meeting expectations, just in general, pissing you off beyond all belief and where most people would hold them because they're still 80, 75% owned, uh, maybe even more than that. The rage within you just fuels the cut. It it just, no logic beyond just the cathartic release of cutting them 
makes sense. There should be a narrative for them to turn it around, but you just need to get them off your bench to one, settle your fucking soul and two, send a message to your locker room. Like this shit's not going to fucking fly. If I hate you because of how bad you are, you're getting out of here. Uh, and so I, I've definitely gone through some hate cuts. There's actually been a few hate cuts this week that probably shouldn't have been done right. Uh, actually prior to this week, based on what we saw uh, in this action. And some of the best pickups of this week are going to end up being people who were hate cut by frustrated owners that probably shouldn't have been. Most times you probably shouldn't do the hate cut, but it still feels fucking damn good. Can you think of, can you just give me one example of a guy that you hate cut in the past or this year, if you can think of it? I mean, I've, I've I'm a notorious hate cutter as well. Oh, AJ, AJ Green. I, I didn't own him this year, uh, but last year, it was, l- last year he never showed up for me. He was a great hate cut. Get get the fuck off my squad. Uh, he should have been hate cut by owners already this year if he's still there. T.Y. Hilton, a great hate cut for this year. Um, who did oh, yeah. I hate cut last year? There's one person that just felt so fucking good. I think it was like – Dante like Pettis in like week two or something like that. And it, he ended up being a nobody, but everybody was so hyped on him. And I put him in there and it was just like the best feeling in the world after he gave me like literally a, a goose egg, nothing like Eric Ebron I've done in the past. Like he had like a, a zero type zero. Probably Cameron yeah. So who did you say? Cameron Brait maybe. Oh yeah. Loser. Uh, but typically it's a bigger name than that. So uh, this year, some people that shouldn't have been hate cut that, that were, in fact, I'm, I'm guilty of one of them. Brandon cooks. <laughs> I hate cut him last week and he goes and puts up 160 in a TD. I'll be trying to get him back this week. Um, that Mike means, that, that's all right. There should be a term for this also. And yeah. There should be a term for you hate cut somebody, then they go off and then you have to spend big to like grovel to try to get them back. Yep. <laughs> I've already done that once this year already. I mean, yeah, I, any listeners tuned in that uh, have any ideas for people you've hate cut that then you have to go fucking tuck your tail between your legs and bid up for because you were wrong. Uh, let us know that as well. Cooks was one of them this week. Uh, Mike Williams was hate cut by a lot of owners and with Herbert, who we called as our league winner on the uh, mid season uh, or quarter season rather awards. Man, took one game to really show we were. I think we're right there. Um, and the thing with him, the the rope, and Mike Williams going up and getting that ball. Oh man, what a catch that was! Beautiful. Uh, what he had two touchdowns. So I mean, that guy is going to be blowing it up. Um, Philip Lindsay was hate cut by a lot of owners, fifty percent owned, and yep. we'll, we'll talk about Melvin Gordon in a second. Uh, glug glug. Glug, 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 a few with too many of these. Yeah. And uh, that that's looking like it won't be quite the move there. So th- those were just a handful of guys that were often hate cut cooks, Williams um, and, and Philip Lindsay that probably should be on rosters come the, come tomorrow when this clears, if you're tuned in, let us know what will help you figure out what to cut for them. Yeah. And if you're tuned in and you want to tell us some people that you think of that are synonymous with hate cutting. Like we'd love to hear about it at the end of the show. All right. Segment uh, two, we're going to get into our week six trainer's room. And of course that's filled with news. uh, And of course, all the injury updates that are all over the place. And there's a lot of them. We're not even, you know, a lot has happened this week. Some have been hit on previous shows, so we're not going to be hitting all of them, but the ones that are the most relevant, the most current, we're going to talk about very first one. Le'Veon Bell has been released. Um, of course, anytime somebody that's a big name like him, even though, I mean, I know people that have hate cut Le- Le'Veon Bell, just yeah. so you know, um, there's always tons and tons of rumors circulating immediately. Oh, he's going to go here. Oh, he's going to be a perfect fit here. So we, of course, are only thinking in terms of fantasy, 
what have you heard as far as where he could end up and where would you love to see him end up? Yeah, the rumored interest so far is the Patriots are one team that was in contact, uh, the Dolphins. And so two divisional opponents right there. So no trade ended up going through. And also the Raiders were the teams that the Jets had apparently talked to about a trade and just couldn't end up working anything out. Um, a lot of that probably being contract wise too, because now that he's released, they're going to be on the books for a ton of dead money. And yeah. owners, you know, other teams could just swoop them on in and it won't matter. Um, to me, none of those are totally ideal. I guess the Dolphins is a pretty wide open backfield. Gaskins has played really well, and I'd like to see him keep getting the opportunity. But ultimately, that's got to be one of the most open backfields in the league. So if he goes there for his own value, Le'Veon Bell, not an ideal in my personal opinion for fantasy purposes, but for his value, Dolphins wide open. Um, and, and that Chan Gailey spread attack, they love peppering backs. We saw CJ Spiller, Fred, uh, you know, um, Fred Thomas, like all these guys had monster seasons in this Chan Gailey spread attack as Gaskins is already kind of doing here. I feel like that would be a great spot for him. Uh, Patriots is just kind of like a mind numbing. Is it Damian Harris? Is it James White? Like you won't get your three down Le'Veon Bell there. I can see why they like him because he is so versatile, but I wouldn't love that fit for fantasy. Real life wise, I'll take him all day as a Pats fan. Um, Raiders, he's clearly behind Jacobs. And that just now it's like, oh, has this become a committee? Does that lessen Jacobs appeal. I would kind of hate that personally for fantasy. Um, my ideal would be the chargers, you know, mm-hmm. Justin Jackson just put up what 15 something points on 20 touches clearly was the, the better play than, than Josh Kelly here. And Eckler rumored to miss four to six weeks, but then a lot of reports coming out that that tendon's like not attached to the bone and you know, they're underselling it. It's not good when it's not attached to the bone. Right. 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 <laughs> So that could be a, a lengthier injury. And, and you know, with this young upstart Herbert, who's really just crushing it right now, um, I could see the Chargers being a really nice landing spot. The, 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 the line is obviously garbage, but ultimately they'll get him out in space. They'll use him well. I'd also love the Texans just because I don't like David Johnson. And as we say every week, slower and slower by the week. We said uh, slower every week. We said that two weeks ago, and it's been proven true. He's, he's gotten slower since then. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so as long as he keeps getting slower, Le'Veon Bell would be a nice upgrade there, uh, in my opinion. And then also, just go back to the Steelers. I mean, I know Connor's the guy, but we know Connor's going to go down. So what if we just get vintage Le'Veon Bell, who averaged over 21 fantasy points per game over his tenure there? Uh, that could be a nice landing spot as well. Chargers, Texans, Steelers, my personal favorites, in addition to the Dolphins, which is the rumored team. He's going to go to, despite that destroying uh, Miles Gaskin, who I love just watching right now. But those are the most interesting names, I would say, for Le'Veon Bell. What about you? Any any that you'd agree or add to that? Well, I mean, I think you you covered the potential list. I mean, the one that, of course, came to my mind immediately was Houston. I feel like we've been playing this game with Houston, certainly for as long as you and I have been doing this podcast, which is like four years yeah. But really, I think long before that, too, we've always just been like basically like since Arian Foster, maybe we've just been like yeah. waiting for that Houston running back that's going to put it all together. And instead, we've seen what Lamar Miller, uh, you Dante know, Foreman. <laughs> Dante Foreman, right. Let's not forget about him. I mean, it's just been a bloodbath. And then, yeah. hey, David Johnson, four years past his prime or three years <laughs> past his prime or whatever, maybe he'll work out. And I'm like, yeah, probably not. So, yeah. uh, that is the first place that I think, but then I wonder to myself, well, I mean, is he just David Johnson now? I mean, when was the last time Le'Veon Bell was good? 
it's been yeah. it's been a while, right? So we're kind of assuming Le'Veon Bell is going to be Le'Veon Bell, and I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's the case anymore. So I mean, I wonder if they would just be not even upgrading if they put him in instead of David Johnson, and we'd be right back where we were. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know, if I were a Pats fan and I were you, there would definitely, you know, I know you are a Pats fan, but I know there would be a lot of appeal attached to that just from a real football, not fantasy right. football point of view. I mean, he's clearly better than anybody you got. Yeah. I mean, I love Damian Harris and what he's showing, but Le'Veon Bell, that experience uh, and that versatility, Belichick and, and McDaniels would have a field day. I'm sure Belichick would figure out what to do with that guy. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to Patriots and Broncos quarterbacks. The Patriots have activated Cam Newton, which I'm sure is music to your ears, off the Mm -hmm. COVID-19 list. And just to kind of make sure both quarterbacks are – their quarterback issues are being addressed, Drew Locke, due to his shoulder issue, is practicing in full for week six against the Patriots. Man, the Broncos are so bad. Yeah. When you say – I mean, like, Drew Locke, when we're like, oh, Drew Locke's back. Like, it's like, is it going to matter? I don't think it's going to matter. Do you? No, not at all. We'll cover the name that actually matters here. That's Cam Newton. Let's not waste too too much time on Drew Locke. No, and we won't spend too much on Cam either because, you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, higher, lower, Hail Mary. I'm very high on Cam Newton this week. Broncos is a tasty matchup to come back to. We've seen great uh, ability from Cam as a runner, as a passer. This is huge news, and he's ranked way too low right now. Uh, in the ECR. I expect that to come up now that he is officially cleared. It just seemed like the expectation. So I've had him in my top six quarterbacks all week, and he's going to certainly stay there. So we'll we'll preview why and talk about why in a little bit. But if you have Cam Newton, there's only five quarterbacks I would play above him. So there's a great chance he's in your lineup if you're following my advice, at least. Uh, all about him. And in terms of Drew Locke, uh, no, we shouldn't care. Jerry Judy, I I do care about. And the Patriots D has surprisingly given up a a good amount to wide receivers this year, certainly compared to last year when they were just like, you cannot play wide receivers against them. Uh, They've been, you know, top 12 in terms of most generous to wide receivers. I could see this being a nice boost to him. We've seen him getting it done with like Rippian or whatever the fuck that dude's name is. Rippin. Nephew yeah. of like uh the Redskins quarterback, I think. <laughs> just horrible, dude. Like, come on. Yeah, terrible. Terrible. So, you know, ultimately, no no real interest in anyone outside Judy. Maybe Patrick had a big day, Tim Patrick. Uh, maybe Ripian was just a better player than, than anybody they've had. But it's it's intriguing to maybe stash Drew Locke if you're in a two QB league, um, you know, by week desperation. I don't see a ton of value, but the weapons are there. The weapons are playing quite well. Sutton getting hurt certainly takes a little bit of that luster off. But we were pretty high on Locke coming into the year, and I think he's worth a stash in two QB leagues with deep enough benches just to see what he even does this week. Certainly not starting him, uh, but a boost to some of those passing game weapons, in my opinion, and potentially. Uh, yeah, first of all, just a hard pass on anything Drew Locke related. Yeah. Um, I don't care if you're in a two quarterback league and I don't care if he's the only Broncos quarterback with like a winning record and at least five starts and like since Peyton Manning or whatever, I don't give a shit. Um, (laughs) But let's talk about some more interesting Broncos news, which is that Melvin Gordon up and down. Melvin Gordon uh, has got nailed for a DUI (laughs) and the the coach is kind of hemming and hawing about if anything's going to happen about it. You can tell he doesn't want to do shit about it. Yeah. Absolutely. And undecided if he will play and face the Patriots in week six. So, I mean, to me, that sounds like he's probably going to be out there. Um, They might bench him for a quarter or something of that nature. Um, 
But to me, that could be enough in the sense of, you know, there will be some consequences, the exact quote. Okay, cool. Um, and who knows if the league will step in and maybe suspend him at some point for this. Um, the the worry with that for a Gordon owner is, well, Lindsay's now coming off of, you know, three weeks. He's been hurt. But Lindsay's like the best when his back's against the wall, when he has to earn it. And if you give this guy a quarter, Philip Lindsay, to just run against a, a Patriots team that ranks decent against the run so far this year. But I don't think they're anything special. I just watching them. Um, I, I think Lindsay could do some damage early on. And if he does and they want to send a message, then it's like, okay, uh, what if Lindsay just flips this entire script? And Gordon's been pretty damn solid this entire year so far. I think he's yeah. at least top 10, if not top like nine. In ter- he, he's up there in terms of his fantasy output so far this year, averaging about 20 touches since Lindsay got knocked out of the lineup. But I would not be shocked to see Lindsay kind of flip that switch. If he gets that first quarter work, uh, he's a baller. And I've always loved Philip Lindsay. And I, I would be very nervous now, whereas Gordon was probably top 16 or so in my rankings this week. I think top 13 even. He falls to like about running back 29, 30, and Lindsay's right there behind him um, if he takes over that hot hand, which he totally could this week. So I have Philip Lindsay and kind of was going to hate cut him for a while just because I was angry and I just kind of never got around to it. And so, as you can imagine, I was pretty thrilled that Melvin decided to have a wild night out in the town. (laughs) Uh, But you think at this point he's worth hanging on to for a little while? Oh, absolutely. Just to see how this plays out, because if Gordon gets suspended and you get Lindsay just the full backfield to himself, he's going to eat. And if he just reestablishes himself this week with with Gordon on the bench or whatever they end up doing, um, the the door has been open for Lindsay to come in, carve out a role, uh, potentially carve out a lead role for the foreseeable future as the team punishes Gordon. I do think eventually Gordon will be back to the guy, uh, yeah. but Lindsay could certainly carve out like a 45, 50% role uh, with a, a much greater share for these next couple of weeks while the team disciplines him. Well worth holding on to. The talent is certainly there. All right. Jaguars wide receivers, LaVisca Chenault, as well as DJ Chark. Uh, and Chenault, I believe his issue is a hamstring, which we talked about. Couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, we hate toe injuries. We hate hamstring injuries. Um, neither one of them practiced recently. So, how worked up should anybody be about this? I mean, Ham- Lavisca Chenault came in with a hamstring injury last weekend and ended up putting up his his career highs so far as a rookie. He's actually a, a top twenty five in most scoring formats right now uh, among wide receivers, and it still feels like we haven't come close to his crazy ceiling because he hasn't been used as a runner as much as he could. Uh, he's getting it done after the catch as we all expected, but the touchdowns haven't really been flowing yet. And he's still again, top 25. So I'm not overly worried with him. It seems like a maintenance day because he, he had missed some time in practice and then set career highs last week. I am a bit worried about Chark. He limped off the field, did not return in the fourth quarter. Um, and it, it just, to me, it looked pretty bad the way he was limping off. And that does have a pretty big trickle-down effect on this entire offense. We saw it on that Thursday night game against Miami. Um, and we'll talk about it more with Gardner Minshew a little bit later. That's no good for this entire attack. I mean, LaVisca could potentially see more targets if Chark misses time. And that seems to be a nice bump up. But the quality of the targets go down and the quality of the overall offense goes down without Chark. So I think it's a pretty big concern, even against a, a pathetic Lions team, if Chark misses this game. 
Um, and, and they're tougher against number ones. They're they're 17th uh, fewest points. So like, you know, the minus 0.4 to wide receivers there, but they're easier to number twos that the 13th most generous to number twos. So, uh, you know, if LaVisca suddenly becomes the one, I don't know if that necessarily will benefit him this week. It could the way he's just kind of ascending and, and rising to the call. But I don't know. It, it seems to me, if I was going to guess, Chark misses the game, LaVisca plays, and I don't think it helps anybody on the offense if Chark sits. Might be time to re-sign Alan Hearns. Or Al- Alan Hearns. <laughs> Alan Hearns. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how you want to pronounce it. All right, let's talk about Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's been pretty good. Oh, know? yeah. Keep keep waiting for him to, like, lacerate an organ or something <laughs> that hasn't happened. But um, – Anthony Lynn said Keenan Allen was dealing with back spasms Monday night against the Saints, and and this is a direct quote: "He will be fine." <laughs> it's important, though, as you're saying. Yeah, he's no, fine. I, know. I mean, I just—that's like—is it even news? I mean, he says he's fine, so <laughs> it, it's big, and, and hopefully, he actually means it because who never knows what to believe with Anthony Lynn. Um, but I believe, I believe he's a shitty coach. <laughs> Seriously, uh, just blowing game after game, despite having this Herbert guy balling. Getting so fucking conservative and puckering butthole at the end of the fucking stupid. Um, but but Herbert has resurrected Keenan Allen right back to wide receiver one duties. Uh, you know, 40% target share just about since Herbert took over. And the, the you know, expected fantasy points have been monstrous He's, oh. more than any other receiver. We're going to talk about this. I can't wait to talk about that in a minute, actually. It, it's an awesome thing we added to the site. Uh, got to shout out Jackson Barrett. Unbelievable work there. Um, and Keenan Allen leads all receivers in expected fantasy points, largely because of what Herbert's been doing. So to me, if his owner was a little pissed off about that back spasm, because we've all had Keenan Allen and we've all had him fucking get dinged up and piss us off. Like we all know it. So maybe if that's that owner right now pissed off and then also dealing with the bye week, maybe he could sneak in a little buy low offer because it sounds like it was much ado about nothing and he he will be fine. And with Herbert, his his value, again, probably – it's certainly top 10 wide receiver. It depends on how high and how healthy he stays at this point, but, but ultimately a, a nice buy low knowing that he's going to be fine for sure. All right. We're going to move on to segment three and that is our trading tips of the week. And it's going to center largely around these expected fantasy points that the wolf was just alluding to. And I mean, it's pretty cool. Like I'm just now starting to really understand it. It makes an awful lot of sense. You want to walk us through that real quick and tell us who a couple potential bargains are and maybe also a couple people that you should be looking to get off as quick as you can? Absolutely. It's it's certainly a new thing I've been adding to my repertoire. Um, I, I did was not all that familiar. And then the more and more I've gotten in line with you know Scott Barrett and some of these really great analytical guys, the more you learn about expected fantasy points. And essentially what it is is they, you know, certainly every touch is not equal. And even more so, red zone touches often get overrated because a touch between the 20, like 20 and, and 10 yard line is just like your normal touch. But once you get inside the 10 yard line, the value just like exponentially shoots up. Same with like a, a your routine five yard target versus a 40 yard target. It's kind of obvious stuff when you when you break it down in that sense. Of course, a carry within the five yard line is way wor- worth 10,000 times more than just your, your standard between the 20s carry. Of course, a target of 40 air yards is worth going to be worth more than your standard dink and dunk. 
But when you actually boil it all down together and come up with like this formula, again, I, I don't know how to do this. This guy, Jackson Barrett, he's an accountant and he knows spreadsheets and he just fucking like calculate all these formulas and blah, blah. It, it spits out these expected fantasy points and they're fantastic because it tells you based on the touches, based on the down and distance, based on the, the way that the ball is traveling, how far and where it's going, how much they should be expected to put up. And then that also factors in, well, how much are they actually putting up? And what's the difference between those? Because when I've always bought low and sold high, I've almost only looked at schedule. And I think schedule is still very important. important, But if you do just look at these expected fantasy points and you see, okay, this player was expected to put up 30 this week. He only put up 22. Maybe he got tackled by a shoestring. Maybe he had something called back. Um, Then you start to realize, well, I'm focusing on the opportunity that's being crafted for this player, not just the player themselves or their outputs. And that's that, that's a really good perspective to have. It's a great thing to kind of pair up with our workload report, which is like, this was the sheer usage. These were the numbers. And it's, it's fantastic to just know the raw usage. And it's also good to see, well, how valuable is that usage they're getting? Um, and and it, it gives you a sense of who's way outperforming their expected. Like if a player was you know expected to put up lower and they're putting up 10 plus more points, well, are they just getting lucky bounces or are they actually just that good that they're always going to exceed it? So a lot of good factors. I would highly, highly, highly recommend anybody listening, go to rotorstreetjournal.com, check out our week six buy low, sell high, because um, the expected fantasy points report is unbelievable. All right, real quick, my wife and my son, I've both heard call me in like the last three seconds. So I want to set you up for the, for our first buy low and then I'll be back in like two minutes. Mm. You think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the guy that is should be scoring more than he is basically, and he's not. Absolutely, it sounds like he's the number one guy. He's oh, he's my favorite by low in all fantasy, no doubt about it. Um, and so the the reason why is you look at his expected fantasy points. He is going six point seven fewer fantasy points per game than what is expected of him. So that tells me a couple things. One, he's getting schemed to perfectly. He's out there a lot. He's out there on red zone. He's getting a ton of catches. All of that is great. Things just aren't bending his way. Now, when a player goes that much lower than their expected fantasy points, it could be two things. He could suck or he's just getting unlucky. Last week, for example, we saw Clyde Edwards-Hilaire have a touchdown called back on him despite uh, a dice receiving touchdown. Everything was good. Then offensive pass interference. His points would have been much higher. So everything's getting schemed from the opportunities there within this offense. There's just too many little fucking flick passes and these weird little reverses. I think that trend will eventually bend or maybe this is just me being you know a little bit stubborn because I just loved him so much coming in the year, but his expected fantasy points are telling me why I loved him. And the talent is there. Every time I see him touch the ball, it's just a matter of when's the luck going to finally bend his way. And he scores those two to three touchdowns because it's going to come and it's going to happen. And you want to be the one buying him. And it doesn't hurt that his strength of schedule is one of the best for the rest of the season. Five of his remaining matchups are against bottom 10 defenses against the run, uh, against running backs in terms of fantasy points allowed. Three of those come against you know, top five potential blow-up spots. So I love it. It's all green on the schedule. It's all green in the expected fantasy points. The man just has to have a couple things bend his way, and he's going he's gonna to light it up. So I'm all about buying low on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire based on his fantasy points expected and based on his strength of schedule. I am also selling high right now on Robert Woods for kind of the opposite reasons. 
he's averaging over, you know, almost five points more than his expected points per game, largely due to big plays, missed tackles. Um, but he's seeing, you know, only 99 target pace right now, far less than last year's volume. This offense definitely wants to be a bit more run heavy than we've seen um, in the past. Their defense is playing well enough to keep them in these kind of neutral scripts where they can pound, pound, pound. And I'm not buying necessarily the, you know, these ex- the blowups are going to keep happening, especially given he only has two matchups in the green. Now, granted, those are against Seattle, so two of the best possible matchups. Um, but 50% of his matchups and the rest of the season for Robert Woods are against top seven defenses. He had the easiest portion of his schedule these first four weeks and just never really lit it up. So I don't know what's going to suddenly change, why this offense would suddenly flip into this big pass-happy bonanza that's going to let Woods dominate. I was all about how he performed in the the 12 personnel packages last year, and, and that is what they're running more. It just hasn't translated into that same fantasy success we saw down the stretch for Robert Woods. So to me, he's kind of a sell high because people still love him as that, that so safe wide receiver too, but really his production has not quite been there. And, and I think it's only going to go downhill with the schedule softening up and him kind of rising to the mean or falling to the mean rather of those expected fantasy points. So he's a sell high in my opinion. You know, both of those guys, you said sell high on Robert Woods and you said, you know, buy low on CEH. Both of those just scream correct to me, just mm. kind of from my gut. And the fact that there's legit data to back it up, I love that so much. I also love the thing you were talking about where it's like a carry from the 12 is the same as a carry from the 35. Mm-hmm. And yet there's so much smoke blowing up our ass about these like red zone carries and stuff like that, which are just meaningless. Yeah. Like once you get inside the 10, somebody like Derrick Henry or something like that, you know, we look, saw last night. <laughs> right, we saw it last night. It's just, he's just going to pound, 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 pound. But like, you know, from the 18 yard line, what's that mean? And like, as you said, I think you said this, but I, I certainly read it. The passing is the same as the running, basically. The, the numbers are pretty similar as far yeah. as like red zone not really mattering. Yeah, so we exactly. the Inside the, the 10, skyrockets. Right. You know, 30 or more air yards, obviously skyrockets. But 20 yard, you know, how many 20 yard inside the red zone touchdowns do we really see? Just not that much. And that, this isn't to hate on the red zone. The red zone is the greatest fucking creation of all time on the NFL networks. But... It's still, you know, inside the 10 is where that that really, really tends to skyrocket. All right. Well, I love that stuff. Check out the RSJ uh, articles that we've got on this. I'm sure this is going to be a, a stat a data set that we're using a lot more in the future. And my guess would be a lot of other people will be, too. Absolutely. Right. We're getting into higher, lower and Hail Mary and the wolf. This has been the wolf's domain, his lair, his cave. I don't know. Where do wolves live? Lairs? Like dens? Like the wolf den? Yeah, wolf, I don't know yeah. exactly what a den is, though. Like, what what is a wolf den? Like a man cave, kind of. Yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> anyway. Oh man, when we hit it big, you got to get the biggest pimped out wolf uh, themed man cave ever. Just ever. <laughs> wolves howling at the moon. Yeah, and like, like just total total wolf decorum. You know, what I, I mean? yeah, the whole wall will be just like a panoramic of wolves howling at the moons and eating things. And I'll have just like sporadic jerseys, kind of just random like blow ups for the RSA. Mahomes would obviously be one, but like I'm trying to think of just like other random, just like Robbie Anderson last year in week 16 Frank blew Lord. it up for us in a Jets jersey, <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> like just random ass jerseys like that. And yeah. of course, right. we need to make that happen. I'm willing to have a, a 
small chunk of our first profits go to that. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Higher, lower, Hail Mary. Um, record last week. Is that is that your record from the last time that you got at the top? Seven, three, and one? That's yeah. It. And one DMP. So, uh, you know, pretty good for the Wolf. Not too shabby. All right. Let's get into it right now. Week six picks. Um, do, I mean, do you want to... Do you want smoke blowing up your ass about the week four ones? I mean, I'd love to smoke up my own ass. You're flexible enough to do that yourself. Oh, Uh, yeah, bending on over. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, Rodgers, all three of my quarterbacks hit. Rodgers was higher. He ended up being the quarterback three. I had him at four. Joe Burrow, (laughs) I had at quarterback 15, which was like five spots below ECR. He ended up being QB 20, so definitely was right calling him lower. And then my Hail Mary was Ryan Fitz, as it will be. Every single time this dude's under 20% owned. Uh, and he was the quarterback 10. So all of those panned out nice. Zach Moss didn't play, even though I had him as my higher running back. Unfortunate. He, I mean, at this point, he's cut bait. Done with him. Yeah. David Montgomery, lower. Always a good bet because he... Montgomery and the, and the under. Great, great bet. Always great bets. On Thursday Night Football last week, he looked good. But two weeks ago, yeah. uh, I he was the running back 30. And I had him at like running back 25. And that was, you know, eight spots lower than the ECR. So good lower. My Hail Mary didn't pan out with Brian Hill. Um, Devontae Parker blew up with that fifth stack. Uh, Terry McLaurin was my bench of the week that did not pan out two weeks ago. Um, Hunter Renfro did not pan out. So my receiver is only one for three. But then Robert Tunyon, my Hail Mary tight end, dude puts up 35 whatever the fuck points on Monday night football got some wolf pack and the best is when people listen and then actually act upon the advice and then send in like screenshots. Cause one thing for me to get it right. Like, cool. I, I do like the ego boost, no doubt. But when actually people win on the advice and, and you say, you know, you saved me my week, love it. So yeah, seven, three and one hope to kind of, you know, anything above 500 is always great, especially when you're involving hail Mary's. So to start at about 70%, not bad for the wolf. I got to keep this thing rolling. All right, well, this is your chance to do it. Let's get into quarterbacks. Guy, you're higher on. You alluded to this earlier in the show. Cam Newton, you got him as your QB6. That's 11 higher than the experts. I mean, that's that's a really, really substantial difference. And you do have some pretty substantial differences in these picks. I've looked them over. You, these are not like, ah, I like two, two spots better than the experts. Like, these are legitimate differences you've got. Um, why why so high on cam i mean he has looked good before the COVID, definitely yeah it's more so why is so low why why is he qb 17 now imagine the rankings yeah above seven like that's so low exactly who's the qb 16 somebody (laughs) shitty probably oh exactly right like very shitty so i I imagine that will kind of sometimes early week injury news like has people freaked out i bet you this adjusts and he gets himself up to qb 12-ish range but I'll still be six spots higher at that point. Um, and, and it's pretty easy to, to understand why. Two of his three games have been top seven. Um, he gets a date with the bottom seven defense in the Broncos in terms of points allowed to quarterbacks. He ranks, uh, you know, they, they rank six in rushing yards allowed per game despite only playing four games and facing Big Ben, Tom Brady, like statues. Sam Darnold ran for 80 yards on this fucking team. And a lot of that is because... They play a lot of man coverage, and they have their backs turned to the quarterback. Now, maybe they'll adjust, obviously, when you have a Cam Newton. But still, a heavy man team is going to set up well for a lot of running from Cam Newton. And that's, of course, where the fantasy gravy comes in for quarterbacks. So I love him to run all over this team. I think he'll throw for a couple scores. He'll probably pound in a goal line carry or two. I think it's a no-brainer to me that he finishes top 10 
never mind potentially top five. So quarterback six is right where I have him, and I love it. All right, so as surprising as it was to me and to you that they had Cam as low as he was, I don't think that was as surprising to me as how high they had this next guy. Yeah. Which is Gardner Minshew, they had uh, – you have him as your QB 15, which sounds – like about right, maybe a little generous. I don't know. But the thing is, you've got him nine spots lower than the experts. The experts really have this guy as the QB six. Yeah, QB. Oh, QB. My sheet. It says eight on your banner there. Either way, I'm appalled. I just yeah. want to know, like, what? Sell me on that, please. I can't sell you on why he'd be at QB eight. I, I, that makes no sense to me at all. Um, but I can sell you why I'm significantly lower. <laughs> you don't have to, but go ahead. I, I don't understand it, but I, I do guess, you know, he's been over 22 fantasy points on the year uh, in every game, but one. Okay. So I, you know, he's had a good season and they've been chucking it like over 40 pass attempts, almost every single game and he's getting it done. But the one game that he was significantly lower was without DJ Chark. And, and to me, I don't think Chark's playing this week. And he, he only had 14 fantasy points that week. He's only in, in career games without Chark, averaged one touchdown per game. Um, he threw for averaging 238 yards per game without Chark as well. So 238 and one touchdown is the average without this number one. And it's only been you know, three or so games without Chark. But it is significant, the effect this has on the entire offense. Detroit's not like a terrifying matchup, but I, just, I like a lot of quarterbacks. Like Cam Newton's ranked below Minshew, come on. Ryan Tannehill, who just put 30 something below Minshew, come on. Like, I, I don't mind the mustache, but there's definitely 14 or 15 guys I will have above this guy, no doubt. And that's especially if Chark plays or Chark sits, rather. I don't mind the mustache either. Like, I want to pull for him, but like, let's yeah. stay grounded in reality at least a tiny bit here. Right. Come on. I'm not going to, I'm not some big. Ryan Tannehill homer, but I'd way rather have him than Gardner Minshew. Not even close. Uh, he looked pretty good in that game, by the way. You know what's crazy is how just like everybody screamed that that offense was going to regress because their ridiculous red zone success rate, and it was, it was like 80% of their red zone trips ended at a touchdown, which was unheard of. They're right around like 80% again. And I think Tannehill's yeah. legit. And I think Arthur Smith, especially their play caller, He's going to be a great head coach. Like he, somebody's yeah. going to get lucky and take that guy as a head coach. They should have already based on how good that offense was. But now we're seeing it two years in a row. So I don't think it's a fluke at all uh, with Tannehill. It, maybe we're not going to dismiss on to earth, but I, I'm into it. Spoiler alert. I picked up. I, I had Dak and of course we know what happened to Dak. And I picked, I was able to pick Tannehill up off waivers because his game wasn't until Tuesday. So that's my replacement. I actually feel pretty good about it. Absolutely. I think you got yourself a nice, like, top 12 clearly guy the rest of the yeah, season. Definitely. I agree. Hail Mary. Uh, we've already kind of said who your Hail Mary is. What What is it called uh, when someone's, like, a, a professor forever? Like, it's some Latin thing. Uh, like, I forget what it's called. Like, if you're a boxing champion and they give you, like, the honorary, like, champion em emeritus or something like that. I feel like this is your Hail Mary, whatever that Latin word is, which means he's going to be it forever and until further notice. Yeah, until he's more owned than 21%. He's, he's been under 30% owned, even though he just routinely blows up. That's Ryan Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah. baby. Like, why not go back to this well? He literally is quarterback six in fantasy points behind only Russ Mahomes, Allen, Dak, and Kyler. So, so, I mean, the dude is already balling. He's, again, the quarterback six in 2020, not carrying over any stats. 
He's put up 27.6, 26.8, 24.4, and 31.1 in his last four games. Top 10 quarterback in all of those weeks. 69% top 12 performances in his last 16 games. 11 of 16 have been top 12. I, I don't know what track record we need to, to see beyond this. Imagine if Sam Darnold was putting up those numbers. We'd all be fucking jerking off because he was like such a high round pick and shit. Like, no. There would be a perfect jerk from here to New York. Exactly. 800,000 people involved. Just ropes and ropes and ropes. Uh, But for Ryan Fitzmagic, despite him being far more rootable for, if that's a word, rootable. Yeah, hell hell yeah, it's a word. Who doesn't want to root for for Ryan Fitzmagic? Remains 21% owned. I I don't get it. Averaging 23.4 per game and now gets the Jets. What more do you need? The Jets. The Jets. Awful. There's nothing good about the Jets. There's a great like ESPN article that's like strengths and weaknesses of every team. And it was like strengths. And this is the ESPN trying to be professional. It's like strengths, none, weaknesses, everything. <laughs> they were reviewing the Jets. They were 32nd on the list. They're not going to win a game this year. Uh, if it's Magic's going to bomb them, just like he put up 350 and three touchdowns against the, the fucking 49ers, a better defense. He's going to kill them. If you had just come in and said they're playing the he's playing the Jets, uh, we could have just moved on to running backs. That's all we needed, right? It, never right. mind the track record we're getting from the also the, the word that I alluded to earlier. I looked it up because I know I wasn't imagining it. it's emeritus, and it is like Latin. It's not exactly. It doesn't exactly apply to Fitzpatrick the way I thought. It's having retired but allowed to retain their title as like a honor or professional courtesy. So anyway, he hasn't retired yet. Not but, quite yet. Yeah, right, right. we'll take over, but I'll still promote Ryan Fitz just so we can use the word emeritus again. So like, as far as I give myself like a on a scale of one to ten, like a six maybe as far as mm. being smart. Pretty five, generous. Five and a half. <laughs> Pretty generous. <laughs> All right, let's go to running backs. Guy you're higher on, Miles Gaskin. This is another guy. Like I said, you've been putting your neck out there a little bit. You got him as your RB seventeen. The experts have him at I think twenty eight. Um, I'm assuming a lot of this has to do with the matchup. Jets, as you said, but just check that <laughs> off and, and move forward, right? Okay. Uh, Fair enough. I love them too. Exactly. But fifth most points to running backs. So the Jets, as good as as bad as they are against the pass, so worst to running backs, tied for second with uh, seven touchdowns gone, you know, given up on the ground. And that was the big thing for Gaskins was last week, Jordan Howard was a healthy scratch. Um, and right. he, you know, 16 carries for 18 yards and like, five touchdowns. I mean, the dude had been eating the touchdowns away from Gaskins doing all the work. And then we saw Gaskins plow one in the end zone last week that unlocks just a, a huge new level of ceiling that clearly if he's running back 28 in rankings right now, people have not recognized how much higher his ceiling is now that he's getting goal line work, especially when you're facing the jets, which again, probably needs to only be the point here, but I think Fitz puts his points up early. I think they're bleeding the clock and in that type of script, especially if Jordan Howard's active again, this might, change things a little bit, but why would they go back to him? Gaskins keeps dominating here. Um, I think he finds Pater at least once, if not twice, only 5,400 on DraftKings to this week. I love me some miles Gaskin. Speaking of dolphins running backs that we used to like that fooled us like four or five different times. Um, is Jay Yaji still in the league? Oh no, no. He went to the Eagles last year and, and no, I remember, but I mean, he's, he's not like on a roster somewhere. Nope. <laughs> he's gone. That, that guy, uh, he, he's been hate cut a few times. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he deserves a take cuts every time. Too. All right. Got running, running backs that you're lower on. I actually really like this piece. Uh, let's talk about the Ravens. What, yeah. what a shitty running situation that has turned into. 
And I don't really understand why they're up all the time, right? Yeah. So what's going on? They're just there's literally zero rhyme or reason. There's not a mop up guy. There's not a receiving down guy. There's not a goal line guy. Every single week, it's something different. And and give give Greg Roman credit because he said that coming into the year. He goes, all we're gonna do is try to confuse defenses, which we should have all known as. All they're gonna try to do is confuse us as fantasy owners. Confuse fantasy owners. Hat tip to him. Last week, Mark Ingram saw 11 carries, and that's the most a single running back has seen all year with the Ravens. Um, yeah, ridiculous. 11 carries is the season high. And as you said, in mop-up duty, when all they should do is run and all they, you know, but it's not like, it'd be one thing if like Gus Edwards was the cleanup guy. They got a lead and we know Gus Edwards is going to get it. Or Mark Ingram was like the early down guy and we knew he was going to get all that work and Dobbins would be the third. No, there's just literally nothing that suggests when or why a guy is going to be in. Right now, Edwards has 32% of the snaps, Ingram has 33%, and Dobbins has 35%. And it, it's never clear who's going to get the goal line work. Week one, it looked like it was Dobbins' job. Then it was Ingram. Then it said there's, there's nothing that tells us anything about what's going to happen week to week. So how could these guys ever be in your starting lineup? You can't own any of these guys, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd hate cut any of them at this point. I'd cut Dobbins everywhere. As talented as he is and as great as he is, there's no way you can start at these guys. And honestly, I think they're burning just a hole in your roster at this point. Uh, agreed completely. Hail yeah. Mary, Philip Lindsay, who we talked about before. And also I'm cringing to see Royce Freeman also on this list because uh, I would love it if he was not a factor at all. Probably <laughs> Melvin Gordon, by the way, I'm drinking an excellent uh, beer. This I got, you had those double IPAs, the ones where you're talking like eight, eight and a half percent. Love them. A couple of those. And I'm pretty loose. That's what I've been working on here. Uh, really good uh, brewery out of East Let's Hampton. See it. Here it is right here. Uh, it's the Abandoned Building Brewery. Ooh. Uh, oh, yeah. A little more over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got, you'll have to excuse me. I've had a couple of these. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's really, really good. Double IPA. And I've got guys, the, uh, my favorite beer of all time, Swish, by uh, Port, uh, Portland-based brewery, uh, Bissell Brothers, up in Maine. My favorite beer of all time. Another eight percenter, double double IPA. Oh, okay, so we're we're on the same page. Just juicy haze bomb, so good. They only release it a couple times a year, and it sells out in like boom two minutes. You have to like pre order it on like a Tuesday to go pick it up on a Saturday type of beer. Um, got some last They don't What's just bring, even for you. They don't just bring it to you. Not yet. The may, Not maybe yet. That, maybe you know. Cheers, Wolf Wolfback. You know, look at this face. You want you want to sponsor us free cases? Absolutely. And we've said we've gone on record as saying that we will drink. I'll, I'll drink four of these during a show if you'll hook us up. You hook anyway. us up? Absolutely. Right, I would do that. So anyway, Melvin Gordon. That was just our little tangent. Melvin Gordon uh, drank a few and then went out driving and got a DUI. And the coaches kind of on the fence about whether anything's going to happen to him. Uh, and the wolf laid out this case pretty well before Philip Lindsay is a spark plug type, type guy. If you, if you let him get his foot in the door, sometimes like that's all he needs. And so that's why he's worth taking a chance on. Right. And that's, that's really it. Yep. I think you could get the hot hand early against new England, who I think is overrated as a run D and I think you could do some damage And the Royce Freeman calls. If they decide to sit Melvin Gordon, there's rumblings. They might want to trade him. And there's always that like showcase week where you got to get a guy 10, 12 touches just to show what he can do. I would be, you know, I, I could see him falling into the end zone. And at this point, when you're going for a Hail Mary, 
all you really want is a fall into the end zone type of guy. So Lindsay's certainly the top choice again out there in over half of leagues, but Royce Freeman, if you're desperate beyond all belief, uh, could be a hail Mary running back for you. I, I think it's a good call. You would have to be really desperate to go really to desperate. <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be a bad scene. Uh, all right, let's go wide receivers. And apologies if you're somebody who's been sitting on Royce Freeman for some reason. Kenny Galladay, you got him as your wide receiver 12. That's 11 spots higher than the experts going against the Jags. Sell me on it. I, I feel like Stafford still throws a pretty good deep ball, right? Still can sling. And Galladay's been kind of eased in since coming in hurt. But he's also performed pretty damn well since coming in hurt. You know, 57 in a TD on six catches his first game. Then he gets, you know, four for 62 and a touchdown. Was the wide receiver 22 both of those weeks. That's not bad for coming off an injury, missing some time. Now he gets the bye week to to really, he's got his legs under him. He gets a week to kind of rest up. I think he comes in finally 100%, and he comes into a pretty good smash spot against the Jags wire team, you know, giving up the seventh most points to opposing wide receiver ones right now. Pretty good against number twos. So it's one of those defenses that it should funnel over to Kenny Galladay. We haven't seen that blow up yet. Again, wide receiver 22 so far, a nice floor. I think this is the week we finally get that Galladay blow-up game, uh, and he exceeds all expectations. I feel like when you can hang around, somebody like Galladay, if you're hanging around in the 20, 25, 22, uh, and you haven't really blown up yet, I I find that pretty encouraging. It would be frustrating not to have had the blow-up game yet, but he's putting up consistent numbers. Like you said, the floor is pretty good, and the upside is is substantial. Cooper Cup, talking about guys that you are lower on. He's playing the 49ers who really didn't even look like a professional football team when last we saw them. I mean, there's a, you know plenty of people I'm thinking about hate-cutting there. I'd love to just talk about the Niners at some point, but maybe now is not the time. You got him as your wide receiver 21. The experts have him as eight, which just seems ludicrous to me, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he's only been top eight once this year, uh, and I, I mean I, – after what we saw happen to the 49ers, I kind of see it. Um, you know, like the, the the Dolphins just destroyed this team, Ryan Fitzmagic. So could Goff do that? Sure. But to me, it, it, I feel like this game is just going to be gross, like running back and forth and bleed the clock and let's get out of here type of game. I don't see this one shooting out, which is what I think it has to do for Cup to hit that top eight projection. I mean, the guy's been the wide receiver 58, 26, 8, 16, and 34. So really only two solid games. And now we're going to crown him as the wide receiver eight just because Miami went and steamrolled San Fran. They're, they're getting healthier. What's that? That has to be why, though. I mean, this has to just be almost completely based on the fact that people saw the 49ers play recently and were like, wow, that team – doesn't even look like a pro team. So obviously right. Cooper Cup's going to have a big game, which is kind of a little bit of flawed logic. And I think it's a little bit recency bias because it's not like I, I'm here endorsing the San Fran defense, but no. they, they had been okay against wide receivers and just in general coming into this game. So I, I don't see it. I don't think the 49ers blow up. Uh, I mean, the, the Rams rather blow up. I think they try to control this game. And it ends up being a mediocre day as Cup's been in every game other than two. All right, let's talk about your Hail Mary, McCole Hardman. You kind of sneaky like McCole Hardman, don't you? I love McCole Hardman. Oh, no. oh yeah. I've always you, had a hard on for this guy. Do you see him uh, race Tyreek in the He won, right? 
No, I think Tyreek won. Although they were, they kind of were like weird about it. They both kind of said the other one won, but it looked to me like Tyreek won. Huh. And I mean, I saw a video that I'm sure you've seen. You know the video where, where like the punt return or something for somebody on the Chiefs, and then they're just way out in front running, and then Tyreek just comes from behind and catches the guy from like 30 yards back to be his blocker. And it's like yeah. he's literally running like twice as fast as everybody else on the entire field. Yeah. It's just like the most amazing display of speed I've ever seen. And Hardman's like about as fast as him. It's crazy. And to have both of those guys with Mahomes too is like. Oh, right. Cheap. And with Travis Kelsey, who we hate, but Billy's pretty awesome. Still a ridiculous threat. And, and they will be without Watkins, which is the kind of reasoning for why this guy, if you own him, has to be in lineups. I, the fact that he's only 12% started is going to blow my mind if that, if that carries over. He's only 40% owned. Both of those numbers have to shoot upwards because they're facing a Buffalo team we just saw get decimated by the Titans. <laughs> Not the Chiefs, the Titans. So now we got the Chiefs coming to town off a game where they got embarrassed by the Raiders. You know Mahomes is going to be gunsling, and you know Andy Reid is going to want to just fucking jam it down everybody's throat. And what better way than with McCole Hardman, who had the most touchdowns in the league of 30-plus yards, tied with Kenny Galladay, who we talked about earlier, um, and had the most touchdowns of 40-plus yards, tied with A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill, Kenny Galladay, and Stephon Diggs. Uh, he also did that on 26 receptions. Four, four 40 plus yards touchdowns on 26 receptions. These other guys doubled or tripled his targets and, and uh, receptions there. So this is the type of week where you're going to get seven, eight Hardman targets with no Watkins in the lineup. And you got to imagine one of those 40 yard bomb TDs is greatly in play after we saw this Buffalo team. They're horrible. They're, they're giving up uh, in terms of like, there's a great new stat that's been kind of the, the rage these days is match up over like the average. So it's kind of like strength of schedule, but then it factors in your opponents as well. So like the, the bills have faced garbage receivers and yet they're still giving up like 20 something points per game. So then now they, they're like fourth in terms of points allowed over average or whatever the exact stat, uh, you know, I'm not sure I explained it perfectly. You you get the idea. And Tredavious white could be out again. And if he isn't, he's probably going to follow Hill. So to me, uh, I'm all about Hardman blowing up again. All right, let's move on to tight ends to finish things out. Mike Gesicki, who a friend of mine, uh, Johnny Goodtimes, I've talked about before, he had him early in the year, and he blew up once or twice, and he rode him like crazy and talked a ton of shit, and then he, he cut him. And now you want to know who's starting at tight end for him now? Oh, God. Gronk. Oh, why? Johnny, come on. You're better than that, Johnny. What a dumbass. Huge. Anyway. Uh, Gasecki, you got him as your tight end seven, eight higher than the experts. The experts, uh, not giving him much love either, but I would like to point out for those of you watching at home and listening at home, he is playing the Jets, which is a recurring <laughs> exactly. theme of this segment. <laughs> I, three out of four of them have been people facing the Jets. I think that's really all you need to know here. The tight end six on the season faces the Jets, and he's not top 10 in rankings. Really, that's all it comes down to. He's been a beast after the catch. He's been a beast at the point of attack. The the 49ers, for all their faults on defense last week, they have good coverage linebackers, and Gusecki put them in a blender. So th- this guy is legit, and he's facing the Jets. <laughs> that's about it. That's all you really need to know. You, do you like the uh, Miami defense streaming this week? Oh, yeah. All about streaming Miami this week. Yeah, I agree. I'm going aggressively after them. <laughs> all right, Dalton Schultz, you're lower on him. You got him as your tight end, 13 
Uh, that's six spots below the experts playing against Arizona. What do you think? Yeah, it used to be Arizona was like, remember last year? It was like, was whoever's facing Isaiah, in, insert here. Uh, <laughs> but but they've gotten better. They've tightened that shit up this year. Um, and Dalton Schultz, to me, he's he's – He's Dalton Schultz. His name is Dalton Schultz. What else do you need to fucking know? You got to be lower on him. You, you got to. It's fun starting him. I think last week I was like, you get to start a guy named Dalton, which is fun. But when you have Andy Dalton now throwing him the ball, he's a, Dalton Schultz is a complete product of the system of Dak leading the NFL in yardage passing wise of this offense, putting up 32.6 per game, uh, third most in the league, operating at a blistering 19 second pace. Are they going to really do any of that with the red rifle behind center? No. So uh, is Dalton good enough to sustain those wide receivers at like 75, 80% of what they were doing? Maybe. I think Dalton Schultz is going to be the one that takes the biggest hit here uh, because of the touchdowns. That That's a big part of his ex- expected fantasy points. Um, the, the huge sheer passing volume because of the pace, huge part of his success. I just don't think that's going to be there with Andy Dalton. And so you're you're looking at your usual touchdown or bust guy, which should not be ranked as a top seven guy. That's um, your Hail Mary guy. Exactly. That's like your Hail Mary. That's what he is at this point, in my opinion. Speaking of Hail Marys, Irv Smith Jr. going up against Atlanta, which I'm sure has something to do with that. These are a lot of matchups that just kind of scream, play whoever these people are. Man, Atlanta sucks. Oh man, they absolutely suck. They just God, they're awful. I mean, I, I don't even really know who Herb Smith Jr. is, except two percent owned. But I, that's on the banner, so I don't even get any points for that. But I see he's going against Atlanta, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should check him out. And that, that's really what it comes down to: is <laughs> anybody against Atlanta is worth it? But he did have five targets. Uh, he's been a nobody all season. He's one of those guys that gets. Got super hyped all offseason on Twitter because he is very athletic. He's uh, the the prodigy of Irv Smith Sr., who had a, a, quite the NFL career. So, I mean, he comes from good blood and and had those elite like athletic traits, but it's always been behind Kyle Rudolph and just never put it all together. He's only a sophomore, so he, a, a slow, you know, blossoming type of a thing here. But last week, four catches, 64 yards um, against a Seattle team that's actually pretty good against the tight ends. So then you take that and then put it, against Atlanta, who is the worst in terms of that adjusted fantasy points per schedule stat, I was saying, second to to in just sheer points allowed to only New Orleans. I mean, it, it's just a blow-up spot for anybody facing Atlanta. They're giving up 30 points in every game except one so far this year. And I think this guy finds the end zone for the first time and kind of builds on that nice usage. A great streamer if you're desperate at tight end, in my opinion. All right, that's going to do it for higher, lower, and Hail Mary. We're going to move on to the hypothetical of the week. This one, this one is, uh, I guess the last one was a little weird too, but I'm going to give you a weird one right now. As expected. <laughs> right. So do you know how in, you've seen Training Day, right? Of course. Okay. You know how like Denzel, what's, what's he, uh, sneak Ethan Hawke, was it meth? Yes, yes. All right. So let's say, all right, so your first option is <laughs> someone, like a trusted friend, so let's say me, slipped you some meth. And so you're you're kind of wigged out or you're about to wig out and kind of like drive you into this neighborhood. And I'm like, hey, I, I convince you or whatever that like this house or whatever on the street, you know, belongs to me and you should go and you should go check it out and like hang out there for a while and, I, and I'll be there and it's all good. And you're like, you're you totally believe me. 
because you're on meth and because I'm your buddy. So anyway, you go in there and it's kind of like the middle of the night. You're kind of like milling around in this house and uh, you hear like stomping coming down the stairs and you look up and Indomitian Sue is running down the stairs. You've broken into his house. Okay. And then, and so, but you're on meth. love bringing it back to Sue, by the way. It's always, we've had some great hypotheticals. Well, I just try to think about like, who's like the worst guy, like who's the guy that I would, I would least want to find myself in a situation like this, both combination of just brute physical strength and just crazy angry. Like, I just, I think he would, there's a good chance he'd hurt you no matter what. And of course, like you're not your usual like laid back wolf. Like, oh my gosh, Mr. Sue, I'm so sorry. I'm like, Cause you're on meth. Like you're like th- at this point, like you're a real wild card and he's a wild card anyway, even not on meth. Yes. So anyway, here's the deal. Am here's I alone the- by the way in his house? Like I'm just kind of sitting there waiting for my friend to show up or like, you're, you're like moving around, like you're going through drawers and stuff by and, myself though. Right. Yeah. But yeah. And, and you know, let's say like his family's upstairs, like he's concerned about yeah. their <laughs> And you don't just run like you because you're 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 wigged out. So anyway, then so it's like let's say there, it's going to be 15 minutes before any, anybody intervenes on this, Ooh, and it could go fine. Like you guys could become buddies by the end of it, or like he could, you know, most likely you. not. <laughs> possible it could go another way. So that's the first <laughs> option: 15 minutes in a house that you've broken into with Indomitian and Sue while you're wigging out on meth. Uh, that's option number one. Tough option. <laughs> option number two is I want you to think of, say, like you have fantasy opponents that you just hate, right? Of course. I'm, I'm not talking about football guys. I'm talking about people you know, like people like me or people like in your hometown league, people Tough. that you hate. All of them. No, but there's some you hate more than others. Oh, yeah. Like the most hated. Yeah. Sure. David yeah. Mock, you probably hate, right? Oh, despise. Okay. So let's say pick your three most despised fantasy rivals. Yep. Okay. And you will lose to them every time you play them in any league for the next 10 years. Oh, oh man, that's painful. No, I, I know I had to think of something that would really hurt you because otherwise you'd just be like, I'm not doing meth and going to Indomitian Sue's house. Yeah. I mean, right. I thought thought you were going to say like two years and I would, I was like going to still be on the fence here. 10 years. I, I think 10 and years. Like, you're not allowed to say like, this is a magic bet. This is like, you, you don't, you're going into these things and you're hoping to win every time and you're losing sometimes. Yeah, I, was gonna say, like, I don't even, is it one of those things where I don't know necessarily I'm going to lose every time. I just have the hope every time. You don't know. Right? No, that's, that's part of it. It's like, you think you're not like demoralized. You think this is going to be the time. And it's, just yeah. Oh man. Right. Uh, it's gotta be think about the pain that like, think about the emotional stress that would, Cost. Right, because I I don't know that I make it, especially because the the reason I hate them so much is the amount of shit they talk when they win. So it's like, oh, yeah, you know, three times a year, maybe more. If it ends up being that I face them twice or I see them in the play, then it's a matter of what if I see them in the playoffs, right? That that means I would never win a fantasy title over no, three no, years, no, no. over ten years. So yeah, it's got to be. I just hope for the best. See, I've never done meth, so I don't know what <laughs> tripping no, out. Either, but, but I mean, you know, I, I think it makes you kind of unpredictable. Yeah. It's like, it's I, I would hope to God I like just kind of like hug him and you know, I'm just like, you're a big man. I, I like you. And maybe, uh, you know, stroke. I've seen like the shows where like they stroke like walls and stuff. So I mean, maybe I just kind of like. Bed. What's that? <laughs> a breaking bed. 
Yeah, exactly. Like I, I could see myself kind of like cozying up and like, he'll kick my ass for that. Yes. I'll, I'll get a beating. I just hope I don't like jerk out and like give him a quick, like a little jab as if I'm like this tough guy. Right, right, right. Cause we know how that goes. If, if I'm, if I come in like peace, he'll kick my ass, but not so hard. I think I'm more of a peaceful guy. And like, even if I'm bugging out, I would know in my heart, if like a 270 pound man comes storming down the stairs, angry, I'd like to think I would at least kind of be like, Hey, sorry. Who knows? Again, I don't know how I'd act. And there certainly is death on the line there, which is scary. But like the idea of me losing to those three for 10 straight years, kind of, and they're pretty good. The ones that I hate. So like, there's a good chance I'd be seeing them in the playoffs. Who are your top three? Dave Mock's one of them. Um, Bailey is my like long-term rival. I don't know if you know, Pat Bailey. Uh, I know of him because you've complained about him before. Yeah, he's up there. And I'm trying to decide if like it would be in my family league (laughs) or if I keep it in my my main Beverly league. Yeah, what if like you didn't beat like Alex for like 10 years? Right. Like that. That's tough. That's that's like a a good measure of pride there, too. So it would probably be him or my cousin, which just talks the most relentless amount of shit. Uh, It would be tough. I don't think I could accept it. Um, if it's in one league too, that means you're probably knocked out. If we have to keep it concentrated, that means I'm probably not going to win. If it's three times a year, guaranteed losses. So, you know, Oh, and three, essentially you're starting the year. Uh That's a tricky hole, right? Like there's a good chance. I'm not making the playoffs at at least 50% of the time, which just, again, I'm, I'm two and three right now. And my, my world is the darkest it's ever been right, <laughs> right now. Right. So I, I can only imagine like every season being in that type of hole. I, I, I I'm taking Sue. I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping I don't get smart or silly or like, I think the worst thing, I think the worst thing that could happen to you is if he comes down the stairs and because you think it's a house you're supposed to be in, you're startled and you become aggressive. Like, yeah. That'd be what are you doing any, and like yeah, you well, start challenging him. Yeah, this is my house, man. <laughs> that would be tough. That that would be, yeah, inviting a bear to just kill you, essentially. Right. So that, and then the next question would be like, would you rather it was in Dominican Sioux or a bear? And we can talk about that another time. Um, I think a bear I would know to run from because it's like a bear. Whereas another human I might try to interact or get clever with. <laughs> so I'd probably take um, the bear instead. So I could, I'm I would know to for you. Bears and humans, but they both scare the shit out of me. Yeah, anyway, totally. <laughs> way, we need we need to get a sponsor for this segment. So if anybody wants to sponsor right. that, I can do this all day. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be here at 7 p.m. live every Wednesday, uh, 7 p.m. ish, depending on you know if we're running it's late. Usually but like 7:15. We do have other jobs, so it's sometimes uh, a little late here. But uh, ultimately, we're, we're pumped to be here. I'll be here at 7 p.m.-ish tomorrow as well, 11 a.m. Saturday and Sunday for your live streams. If you want to get some more questions in, you know your wolf boy will be here. Um, I You can find out all our stuff at RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves. Roto ST Journal on Twitter. I am Roto Street Wolf. He is Roto Street Truth on Twitter, which I'm sure is going to be just booming with content all week. <laughs> it's it's going to be a, a hotbed. I really am going to try to work on it. I just don't, I just don't remember to do it, but I do have plenty of stuff to say. So 
There you go. Um, and if you haven't already subscribed on YouTube, it means the world because we're trying to really get to a thousand there. Obviously, subscriptions on the podcast, Fantasy Fullback Dad. We paved your path to 2020 titles. So appreciated. But Wolfpack, thank you so much for tuning in. I am the Wolf. I'm Nat the Truth Jones. Until next time, guys. See you later. Later. But now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd And take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.